Open your Bibles and get something to take notes with. Gerard? Yeah. I wasn't ready for that. Goodness gracious. Praise the Lord. I like that. Come on, Ron. All right, fired up. All right, we got the podcast kicking up this week. But honest conversations with my pastor. If you've ever wanted, like, man, if only like an Emmy award-winning interviewer could like ask good questions about all this stuff, like that'd be really helpful. We've got it covered for you. So uh, Brooke is going to be leading that out. We're doing that this week. So Wednesday it'll kick off, and uh, every week for the next handful of weeks we'll be starting that. So there's cards in the back of the seat in front of you. If you have questions about this morning as we go that you'd like to hear more conversation about or things that you're facing in your own life or in the world that you're living in, please take note of those. You'll be able to drop them off at the end of the service, and that'll help Brooke and I kind of build the conversation to make sure it's as relevant and helpful to you as possible. We're continuing our Build the Home series this morning. We're on part three. Uh, Last week was man and masculinity. This week is women and femininity. Got one woo this week. I feel like it's like, okay, did you just feel the elephant walk in the room? It's like, everybody just make room, scoot to the sides, let the elephant come in and sit down. Because I'm going to be honest, it seems like talk, standing up here and shouting at men to be men gets people kind of fired up. Standing up here and telling women to be women just doesn't seem like people react the same way. So, but we're, we're going. We're going. So Genesis 1, did I tell you that part? All right, we're going to read. We're going to read the Bible this morning and we're going to talk about it. So turn to Genesis 1:26, and you'll be able to get to everything else we're getting to from there. Would you stand for the reading of the word of God? <clears throat> Genesis 1, 26 through 28. Then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over the livestock and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image and in the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply And fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Go to Genesis 2, verse 18. Then the Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field And every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that was its name. The man gave names to all livestock and to the birds of the heavens and to every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was no, there was not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. Then the man said, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. Therefore, man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife and they shall become one flesh. 
Two more verses. Chapter 316. To the woman, God said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain, you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. In verse 20 in chapter 3. The man called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of all living. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you so much for your glorious presence here with us this morning. I thank you for your living word. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for your power and your love for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for this word that you're leading us in to build the home. We thank you for your word to us, Jesus, to die to ourselves. And that's what we want, Lord. As we come to your word this morning, that's what we want to be led in. We want to be led in dying to ourselves that we might live in you. Say whatever needs to be said. Train us, encourage us, make us hungry for the word of God. I'm praying that every single one of us would move towards you this morning. That we would put ourselves aside and run into the life of Jesus. We bless your holy name. We look forward to these time in your word. Amen. Amen. Go ahead and take a seat. I would do a bit of an intro, but I think we're all ready for this. So what does the Bible teach about women and femininity? That's the title, so let's dive into it. What does the Bible teach about women and femininity? First, our first text for this morning is Genesis 1, 26 through 28. We have the first mention of humanity in the Bible and in all of time. We pick up the story here in verse 26 of Genesis chapter 1. The universe has been created. The heavens have been created and filled. The earth has been created and filled. We're on day 6 and verse 27 says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, And God blessed them. And God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. Right here in Genesis chapter 1, in the first mention of humanity, we see in the word of God that the purpose of creation was never to make male or female. It was never either or. There is no primary or secondary. It has always been them. God's plan for creating humanity was always male and female. His plan was never to establish which one was more important, more able, more loved, more wanted. The purpose of God in creation and in creating humanity has always been for both male and female to accomplish together the mission of God for the glory of God. When God wanted to create image bearers in his likeness, he didn't make a man. He made a household. When God wanted to bless humanity, he didn't bless a man. He blessed a household. God made them and blessed them. Genesis 2 we get a little bit more of the story. In Genesis 2, verse 7, it says that God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. So we got the male part. We got that, Genesis 2, 7. 
Verses 8 through 14 talks about a bunch of other stuff. We get some rivers, and we get no rain, and we get a garden, and Adam, the man, is put in the garden to keep the garden. He's told not to eat of the bad tree. So we're picking up the story in verse 18. Is that good enough cliff notes to get us to verse 18? Genesis chapter 2. Verses 18. So we're going we're gonna to pick up here, and this is where we're going to have to do some work. So I hope you're ready to go to class. If you're not, we're still going there, so you might as well get ready for it. And I need you to be ready to think and work and study the Word of God. And if you do it, it'll be worth it, I promise you. And if you don't, I'm going to. So, Verse 18 in chapter 2. Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. The Lord God said, it is not good that man should be alone. The first thing we need to dig into is this phrase right here. It's not good for man to be alone. Okay, so what's going on here? What's going on in the story? This verse doesn't happen in a vacuum. There's, there's, there's things going on here, and, and we're, we're, we're hearing part of the story. So God is creating all of creation, right? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, and we start getting that story. Okay, so there's creation going on. He's creating all that is creation, both in the heavens and in the earth. And we see, we've seen along the way that he comes to the end of each day, and he looks at what he made that day, and he says it was good. He blesses it and sees that it was good, that, what, that which he created. After creating and blessing humanity in Genesis 1, God says it was very good. So Genesis 2 is not some separate story, separate account. It's like the, like I said a couple weeks ago, it's kind of like the director's cut version of day 6 that happened in Genesis 1. Okay? So this isn't a separate thing. Genesis 1, we get one through, days 1 through 6. Genesis 2 starts to unpack day 6 a little bit more for us, give us a little bit more of what's going on here. So in Genesis 1, we know that at the end of creation, at the end of creating humanity, God looks at creating them male and female, and he blesses them, he creates them, and he looks at them and says, it's very good, right? That's how it ends, but Genesis 2, we're not there yet. We're not to the very good part yet. We know that's where we're going, but we're not there yet, so it makes sense that in Genesis 2, when the man is alone, God says, not good. Not good yet. We're not to the very good part yet. We're on our way there, but we're not there yet. It is not good that man should be alone. And we can read this like uh, God created the male on day six and said that was really good. And then he put him in the garden. And then later on, like Genesis 2 starts to happen. And he's like, oh, shoot. It's not good that he's alone. God's not having an oh shoot moment in Genesis chapter 2. It's not like, oh shoot, this was, I thought this was very good. Turns out I was wrong. I missed something there. He's not trying to go back and fix something that he screwed up. He doesn't need to come up with something for this guy last minute. What should I do? I know I'll make him an assistant. Don't forget Genesis 1. God's thought in creating humanity has always been they. It was always they. It was always let's make man in our own image, male and female. 
Like we said, week one, it was never let's create an individual and put him on the earth. It's let's create a household. And we see that all through scripture. Let them have dominion over the fish and all the things. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them. Be fruitful and multiply. Genesis 2 is not a different story than Genesis 1. It's developing the story of Genesis 1. The plan was always they. Female was not an afterthought and her amendment to creation. She was always part of the blueprint. It's not good for man to be alone. Okay, so we've gotten rid of the God's regret, he missed it and screwed it up part, okay? It's not good for man to be alone. So that's the it's not good part. It's not good now for man to be alone. This phrase, to be alone, it, it's not just meaning the sense of like, oh, it's like so sad. He's just in this garden all by himself. It's not good, like poor guy. He's just all alone. He needs a friend. <laughs> he, needs, he needs a friend. No, no, no. That's not what it means. It, it, the, the language that is used here, it, it means, the alone means like it's a, it's a part separated from the whole. From the rest of its part. Like a, like a branch not connected to a tree. Like a limb not connected to a body. It's like, that's not good. That's not the whole thing. That's what it means. He doesn't need a friend. He needs the rest. <laughs> Just for you. He doesn't need a friend. He needs the rest. So when God sees that man is alone... He wasn't just somebody who needed a friend or an assistant. He was an incomplete piece of the whole of what God was creating. This isn't because God didn't think it through. He just hadn't finished his plans yet. God is making image bearers. That's what he told us, right? That's what I'm going to do. God's making image bearers. He's making male and female and so far, he's got the male, which is good, amen, but not all the good. The household wasn't complete yet. There was still more on the original blueprint. Okay, now on to the next part of this sentence here. It's not good for man to be alone. I will make him a helper fit for him. What verse is that? That's 18. I will make him a helper fit for him. So this phrase right here, this part of the verse, has often been used to kind of build a framework within which women are kind of secondary to men. Either men kind of leverage it to be like, ah, oh, women, you're secondary to us. Or women look at it and they're like, what the heck? Are we secondary to men? But first of all, that's not what it says. It doesn't say that. So there's that. I mean, anyone who, who, who's trying to justify that sentiment, that, that this whole thing means women are like secondary and less than men and like call that theology, all you got to do is flip that on its head and it totally, dis, it totally unravels. It's like, well, women, women aren't as good as men because they came after men. It's like, well... 
man came from dust and he was an upgrade from dust and women came from men, so they're an upgrade from men, so women are the best. And anybody who says either one of those things is completely missing the whole point of all of this. The argument here is not let's settle whose kingdom this world's really here for. Guys or girls. Boys rule, girls drool. Grow up, read the Bible, and this is about God. This is about God's kingdom. He's building his image bearers to rule his creation, to establish his kingdom for his glory. Okay. I'm trying my best. Second of all, since when does somebody being a helper infer that that person is weak or secondary or unimportant? When, 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 when you cried out for help, were you hoping somebody weak and insignificant would show up? Come on now. I mean, I'm not trying to call anybody stupid. I'm saying that's a stupid idea. And we're going to bring it out into the light and just let the idea be what it is. That's dumb. Heroes are given medals because they help people. First responders are lauded because they help people. You have a favorite teacher because your teacher helped you. I mean, should we just say you love your mom because she helped you? I'm just saying. When you need help, you need someone with strength that you don't have. When you need help, you need somebody with ability that you don't have. When you need help, you need somebody with perspective that you don't have. There's nothing weak about anyone helping anyone else. All right. So God's creating the heavens and the earth. He fills the heavens with his glorious hosts and creatures and beings and stuff. And then he fills the earth with air and water and sky and land and, and earthly creatures. And then he decides to crown all of that creation on earth and in the heavens with humanity, his image bearers. And so he starts by forming a man out of the dust and breathes his breath into him to give life. And he doesn't look around at that point and say, this is very good. He looks around and says, this is not good. It is not good that this man be alone on this assignment to bear my image to all this creation. So verse 18. I will make. Verse 18. I will make. I love this. God's looking around. He knows exactly what he's doing. And he's recording this to us for us to understand and learn along the way. He's got all this creation. He's got everything. He's got man. Here we go. And he's like, this isn't good. So you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to act. I'm not done yet. There's a gap here, and I'm going to take care of it. I'm going to do what only I can do. I will make. I will act. I will work. I will step in right here, right now. And I will do what only I can do. I will make a helper. And the word there is 
Azer, E-Z-E-R is how we would say it in Hebrew. Helper. This word is used 21 times in the Old Testament. Twice here in Genesis 2. The other 19 times that this word is used, it's not a feminine word, it's a masculine word. And every, uh, the, the other 19 times that this word helper is used in the Old Testament, it's used when God is saying that he will give his help to his people, or it's his people calling out to God for his help. They're not saying, oh, no, things are bad, help. They're saying, oh, no, things are bad. I need God's help. Azer isn't just assistance. It's the help of God to his people. It's not just help. It's God's help. So this isn't good. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to make my help. It's not menial assistance. I will make a helper. I will make the help of God to the people of God. I will make a helper fit for him. This word, I think, is pronounced neged. It's not, a, it's not a word of possession, not for him to possess. In the sense that what God was making for man was for him to own. For in the sense of counterpart. It means counterpart. It could be translated suitable for. You might have a footnote in your translation at the bottom that says corresponding to. It's kind of a, it's, it's a word that's got a lot to it. And it's hard to translate into one different word. We say, I'm going to make a helper fit for him. I'm going to make a helper corresponding to him. I'm going to make, uh, you, you could say, it, mean, it could mean um, opposite against or in front of an opposite. And it's, there's, this con, there's this connotation of, of it being obvious. I'm going to put my help in front of him. It's not going to be, it's going to be opposite of him, but the same as him and it's for him. And it's going to be blatantly obvious when he sees it. Male can't bear my image alone, so I will make an imager of me who is my help to all of creation. And this imager is going to be the obvious, opposite, needed part of this whole thing. That's what God's saying. Before God does this, though, God brings the animals and everything else before Adam, and Adam names them. And then the Bible tells us that, but there, that, that he brings all of these things in front of Adam, but there was not found a suitable helper fit for him. There was a unique and needed piece of the puzzle that was missing and nothing else could take its place. God knew the whole time, it's a woman. Adam didn't know about those yet. God knew this, what this picture needs is a woman. What my image needs is a woman. What all, what, what all the heavens and the earth, what they need is a woman. God knew, but he first took the time to make sure that Adam knew. God's not surprised Adam didn't find a helper. Adam was. Oh. Shoot. I got nothing. I don't have this. Nothing. So verse 21, so the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh, and the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. 
And the man said, this at last is bone of my bones, flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. He gives all that exists existence. God gives all of creation design. And all of creation needed God's help. So God acted and God helped all of creation in the way that only God can help all of creation. And God gave creation woman. And after searching all of creation for the other piece of the image of God, Adam looked at the woman and then said on behalf of all of creation, this at last. Praise the Lord. This, this at last. And then in Genesis 3.20, he names her the mother of all the living. I've seen all the living, this at last, the mother. We needed this woman. So this brings us to our definitions. We had definitions last week, so we're going to do some this week. What's a female? A female is a human with XX chromosomes and female sex and reproductive organs, one of the two human genders that God created and that exists today. The other one is male. What's the definition of woman? A biological female created by God to image him by having the identity of a woman and the assignment of imaging God as a female. What is femininity? Traits and qualities women ought to exhibit because they are women who image God. The common essence of what it is to be a woman, that which a woman should be as an imager of God. We learn here that female is a thing. Women are real, just like men are. We learned that last week. Remember men you learned last week, you really do exist? <laughs> Women, so do you. You're totally real. Being a woman is definitely a real thing. If you are a female, you are a woman. And this means something real and core and unchangeable about who you are and what you're created for. Women are put on the earth to image God by nurturing the life of God for the spreading of the kingdom of God. Women, woman is the help of God to God's creation. Women are made to nurture the things of God, to mother the life that the Father gives to creation. Good women nurture the life of God in themselves and in others. Being feminine isn't a personality trait. It's a metaphysical assignment from God that God has sovereignly given to women as imagers of his nature. And women have a unique assignment and anointing to be the help of God, to nurture the kingdom of God for the glory of God. Now, if you were to ask me, I think all that sounds pretty darn cool. That sounds pretty awesome. But why is it so quiet in here? Why is this so uncomfortable and sensitive and dicey? I bet you'll never guess why. It's got three letters. It starts with S. And it ends with how much trouble am I going to get in? 
It's not toxic masculinity. It's not the patriarchy. The problem is not the gender binary or the institution of marriage. If those things were the problem, we could fix everything by just abolishing them and taking them down. But the Bible doesn't teach that. The Bible is very clear. Masculinity, it's not a problem. Men's sin is a problem. Femininity isn't a problem. Women's sin is a problem. Adam and Eve eat the fruit. God comes to talk to them about it in the garden. And we come under the curse of sin. God is explaining the consequences of sin and outlines for the woman in chapter 316. To the mother of all living, he says, I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. And to the help of God, fit to bear his image, he says, your desire shall be contrary to your husband, but he shall rule over you. The result of sin, God's telling women right here, the curse means something. Sin's a real thing. It's a real problem. It really messes stuff up. And here's where it starts to skew stuff. So men have their stuff. We talked about that. Women, let's talk about your stuff. Because of the curse, because of sin, you're not going to want to have kids. It's going to hurt, and you're going to be tempted to see them as a burden to your calling instead of the fruit of your calling. And instead of being the help of God fit for man, you're going to want to stand against him. Genesis 3, uh, 4, 7, talking about Cain and Abel, this word that gets translated uh, contrary to, your desire is going to be contrary to him. It's the same word in Genesis 4, 7, when Cain kills Abel and God comes to him and he's, and he's like, Cain, let's get this straightened out. Like He says, if you do right, this will all work out. Don't you know sin is crouching at your door and its desire is for you. Its desire is contrary to you. It's against you. It's the same word used here. To say, woman, your desire is going to be against your husband. That's going to be your leaning that you're going to have to overcome. That's what sin is going to make you want to do. What this means and what is obvious to see is that instead of being peaceful and content in your role as a woman, you're going to want the position of a man. Sin makes men want to be passive against his assignment to bring God's order to creation. Sin makes women want to be discontent in her assignment to bring God's help to creation. In other words, modern feminism. Toxic masculinity is nothing but the seven deadly sins. Modern feminism is nothing but the curse. Modern feminism teaches that your gender is meaningless, your femininity is a burden. Your womb is a weakness. Your nurturing is insignificant. Your chastity is bondage. Your submission is a swear word. Your service is acquiescence. Your home is a prison. Your husband is a tyrant. And your children are a hindrance. The Bible teaches you to be a woman. Modern feminism teaches you to be a man. The Bible does not denigrate women. And modern feminism does not liberate women. The Bible teaches women how to be women. And modern feminism teaches women how to be men. There is an anointing on men to order for better or for worse. There is an anointing on women to nurture for better or for worse. This is why all the virtues we talked about last week, 
lest you wonder, women, if those are for you too. If you look through scripture, and especially through art throughout church history, you're going to see that the virtues are most often personified by being women, for better or for worse, both the vices and the virtues. Both the vices and the virtues in art and the Bible are personified by women because of the unique power of the influence of the woman on creation. In Proverbs 9, it is Lady Wisdom who builds her house and prepares her feast and calls out to all the simple in the streets, come, eat of my bread, drink of the wine I have mixed, leave your simple ways and walk in the way of insight. She leads to the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom and the knowledge of the Holy One. By her, your days will be multiplied and years will be added to your life. And it is Lady Folly who is loud and seductive and knows nothing of all of this, but sits at her doorway calling to those who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. Stolen water is sweet. And bread eaten in secret is pleasant. She is a deceiver. The Bible teaches us the dead are with her and her guests go down to Sheol. Just like men, women, you must die to yourself and embrace your anointing and assignment from God that you have because you are a woman. Men are required to die to themselves in their deepest ways. Masculinity requires work, responsibility, provision, protection, initiative, selflessness, instead of being selfish, indulgent, lazy, passive, and pleasure-seeking. Women are required to die to themselves in their deepest ways. Femininity requires nurturing, submission, a gentle spirit, contentment, childbearing, child-rearing, helping, instead of manipulation, control, independence, vanity, gossip, and comfort. Jesus speaks from experience to us when he asks the question, what does it profit a man to gain the whole world but lose his soul? Jesus knows what it's like as a man to stand eye to eye with the devil, promising him the kingdoms of the world if he'll just surrender the soul of who he really is. Jesus knows how to look the devil in the eye in that moment and say, get away from me. All of us are being offered the world if we'll just sell our souls, men and women. Women, you're being promised the world. You're being promised that the future will be female. The world is yours. All you have to do is liberate your body and your choice from social restraint. But remember, remember Christ on that mountaintop, refusing, refusing the world at the expense of his soul. You have a soul. 
You really are who you really are. You really were made a woman, and that really does mean something powerful by God. He's really got a calling on you. He's really got an anointing on you. It's not that if you just sell it, you'll get the world. You'll sell your soul and not get the world either. The devil is a liar. The devil is a liar. Have ears to hear and a heart to understand. Remember your Lord on that mountaintop. I bow to one name. I bow to one name. I live according to one will. I surrender everything for one cause. The devil says, sell me your soul. Mary says, may it be done to me according to your will. Be a woman. Turn him down. And obey the Lord Jesus. Remember him. Remember him in all of this world that is shouting at you. And men, you better stand up and try to turn the volume down for them on all this stuff. Make it easy to hear the voice of God for them. But women, just like men, all of us, eat, eat of his body. Don't get obsessed with your own. Deny yourself. Don't worry about liberating yourself. Take up your cross, not the devil's cause. Follow Jesus. And you who loses your life for his sake will find it. You will find it. I want you to stand as I pray for us. Prayer team's gonna come up and be available if you need prayer for anything. Lord, we love you and we celebrate you. And with joy and faith and confidence, we commit ourselves fully to you, Lord Jesus. You who has gone first, we follow you. Teach us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship.